As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of State of the Nation is Visa, a network working for everyone. And the Raiders, everybody was wondering what they were going to look like. The first game with Rich Patsasha as the interim head coach. All the week of turmoil with the resignation of John Gruden. And they looked good. A 34-24 win over the Denver Broncos. A good all-around performance. You know, the offense was sharp. They came out on fire with the opening drive touchdown. The defense forced turnovers. They got after Teddy Bridgewater. Max Crosby, three sacks. All around, you got to be happy with what the Raiders were able to put out there on the field after a week that uh, they admitted was, was a lot of distractions. Yeah, they looked like they did the first three weeks, and they were 3-0. and I mean, they won those games because Derek Carr was great and because their defensive line got a lot of pressure, and those were the keys today. I thought a big part of that was the continuity. And Rich Passaccia mentioned how, you know, that's been a big key all week with the same staff pretty much in place, same coordinators. You kind of just, you know, work on what you've been doing well and try to fix the things that haven't been going well. But, uh, yeah, I think it's just a, a great team effort and definitely a big win for them. Because if you lose here, you might be in trouble. So I think it's a big win for them to move forward and kind of put all this stuff behind them. Yeah, I would say this was their most complete effort so far this season, just when you equate, you know, the offense getting off to a good start, you know, still putting together a few good drives in the second half, the defense playing pretty well from start to finish. I know they gave up a score there at the end, but that was pretty much, you know, garbage time when the game was already decided. And so they play well on both sides of the ball, really from the jump, you know, for them to do that coming off of, you know, this week and, you know, dealing with, you know, all the injuries that they're that they have right now is definitely, you know, a super impressive effort, you know, and then with it being on the road against, you know, I would say the Broncos are pretty evenly matched, uh, even though they, they're now in a three game losing streak. I don't think there's too much of a gap between these two teams. You know, obviously the Raiders are, are better, but, you know, the way they won in, in convincing fashion, I know fans might have got a little nervous there at the end, but um, pretty convincing fashion. Uh, they, they pulled away from the Broncos and uh, it's probably the best win this season. 
And maybe John Gruden was holding them back because this is by far the best they looked all season. When the Raiders were winning and they still didn't have a game where they just put it all together, especially in the beginning of games. And, you know, to be a playoff team, you got to be able to blow out some teams. And we just haven't seen that from the Raiders. And today they put together a complete effort. They were aggressive. You saw a little different, a little different with their play calling. You saw a little difference in their play calling. You saw a little bit more under center play action. We actually saw a running back screen, which I felt like we haven't seen in a long time. You know, I thought Carr was really impressive. He was really aggressive throwing the ball downfield. I believe he had seven passes of over 20 yards. So it was just good to see a, a total team effort and the offense played really well, even without their primary play caller for a few years now. Yeah, we're going to get into the defense plenty later, but we'll start by talking about this offense. Um, I think it had been 11 games that they had gone without an opening drive touchdown. They had not scored a first quarter touchdown all season. And, you know, I, I think a lot of times their early drives have become pretty predictable. I mean, the handoff to Josh Jacobs on the left, uh, you know, kind of had been a, a staple first play. Here they go Henry Ruggs. I believe passed to Henry Ruggs on, on, first, uh, on the first play. We can say continuity, and there was, you know, quite a bit of continuity for this team. But that was the one big change, I think, in the coaching staff was that you did have a new offensive play caller. And uh, that's significant. I mean, you know, Greg Olson had not called plays in five years. And I think if you look at his first outing, pretty impressive. Yeah, I think they set the tone pretty early there. I mean, they had a third and third and two. Uh, they were on the Broncos side of the field. I mean, we've seen you know, them struggle pretty bad in, in short yardage situations so far this season. Kind of traditionally this season, that that's a, you know, they'll try to hand it off and, and stuff it up the middle and just try to beat teams inside, even though they haven't been able to run all year. And this time around, they take a deep shot to Ruggs and, and ends up being a touchdown. And um, they weren't really effective on third down today, just statistically. I think they only had four third down conversions, but three of those conversions went for 40 yards or more. And so they were just, you know, going for it really in all facets. And that's not always, you know, the most efficient, you know, approach percentage wise. But when you hit big like they did today and, and do it as often as they did, obviously we, we see what the results can be. If you're watching the game, you think like, oh, they must have really made an effort to get uh, Ken and Drake more involved because he had a lot more touches. But both Derek Carr and even Ken and Drake himself said it wasn't really that way. It's kind of just the way it happened. Like the plays he had kind of broke the big plays. I think a couple times he came in for Josh Jacobs and uh, happened to be the, the, the call. So I don't think it was a, um, a huge effort to get him more involved. But clearly, when he is involved, it's a big difference for this offense. He definitely has uh, got a lot of talent catching the ball. We saw in the wheeler route, which was a, a called play. But definitely a, a nice uh, a nice piece of the offense they haven't had in the last few weeks. I think a guy they, they signed for this reason. You know, So I think it's good to get him finally involved in the mix. The offensive line looked a lot better today. You know, Brandon Parker was going against Von Miller, but, you know, I'm curious to watch the film. I, I wasn't really focused on the offensive line too much, but, you know, you didn't see any of those quick pressures where guys got in right away. Carr had time to, you know, sit in the pocket. So the, the offensive line was a lot better. Um, last week I said, you know, I thought Alex Leatherwood had some really good snaps at guard. So I'm really curious to see the film and, ha- and see how they played. I didn't know whether Henry, how Henry Ruggs would be in this game, because the, the Broncos play a ton of too high defense. They sit back and they don't want to give up explosives. But by doing that, they don't press. So I was curious to see how Ruggs would do if the defense sat back, but he would get free releases. And, you know, obviously, if you give him a free release, he could still get behind you no matter how deep you sit back. So this is a really encouraging game for um, Henry Ruggs' development. I was going to say, something that stood out with Olsen's uh, game plan and, you know, it's collectively the coaching staff, obviously not just him, but, you know, typically we've seen him this season. They, they try to establish the run early. 
once they realize it's not working, they, they turn to airing it out in the second half. In this game, it was flips. You know, they were, they were really throw heavy early on. And then once they had that lead and that cushion and their defense was playing well, they started to run the ball a little bit more. They still didn't run it very well. They were able to spring some plays like like Drake. I think it was an 18-yard touchdown run. And then once they got down in the, in the red zone, Jacobs was able to push, push in for a touchdown on another run. And so I think that should be their approach. I mean, as long as they can't run the ball, which, I mean, I still think today they were under four yards a carry for their average. And so if, if you can't run it, it doesn't make sense to, you know, come out and try to do this balanced approach. You might as well air it out and – it worked well for them today. I'm not saying that eventually teams will obviously pick up on that and you'll have to adjust, but at least for now, that seems like their best method uh, to, to find success offensively. You know, I think one thing that, um, you know, I think it was Kenyon Drake said it after the game, and it was something that Ted had mentioned would, would probably be the case in this game, with that was that they would just shorten the playbook, right? They, you know, John Gruden was known for having these just huge game plans, 200 plays, you know, when obviously you're, you're only going to run maybe a third of those. And it sounds like that's what they did. And so I think for this team, if you're, you're focusing on execution and being able to, to be just a little bit more refined, you know, shortening that playbook, uh, especially for Greg Olson's first game as a play call in all these years, uh, probably was a smart call. There were times when you could have a high volume offense and it looked good because the guys were able to execute all these calls. But then when they're not able to execute these calls and the little details within these calls because you can't get all the details down when you're trying to put in 200 plays so there's drawbacks to both approaches you know this approach fits Carr better because Carr has a little bit more freedom at the line of scrimmage uh, and then he could check you into the right play instead of just trying to bombard these defenses with all these uh, these calls so uh, you know I think Ian Rapport reported before the game that yeah, you know, Derek Hart is going to get a lot more uh, say in, in the game plan and what goes on. So I, I think that's going to be a good approach for the, the Raiders moving forward. I'm not sure that's true, but I mean, I, I think Derek Carr has always had a lot of freedom in his, in his offense. He's always been able to check in out of plays, maybe a little bit more, but I don't think it's really that big a deal. I think it's pretty much going to be as it has been so far with um, the plays coming in, a lot of different options. But I know a lot of reports today nationally were like, you know, Derek Carr is going to be like calling plays and needs more input, and Tom Cable is going to be a factor. I think, um, I think it's a lot of uh, a lot of poppycock. I think it's mostly going to be the way it has been. I was, obviously, Olsen has made some some tweaks already, and I'm sure. But he, he and Carr have a long history, so they know exactly what each guy's thinking. So, I'd be looking for like storylines, but I think to me that's not really going to be a major. I think the offense will pretty much be, you know, as you saw today, kind of like. Focusing on the, on the strengths that have been there all year long and working on the things that have been kind of problems. I don't think Derek Carr is going to be all of a sudden calling, you know, a whole series or anything like that. But I think, you know, with, when Gruden was in charge, he was going to go into his office and he's going to draw up his plays. And then they're going to go out, you know, he'll get input from Olsen and stuff. And he, they're going to go out and, and run his plays. But I think with, you know, Olsen running stuff, I think Derek Carr will get a little bit more of a say in the game planning. I'll ask Ole. I, I'm curious what Ole will say. I don't know. We'll see. But um, obviously, it's working. I think definitely, I mean, always been kind of the middleman between Gruden and Carr for the last, you know, bunch of years. He knows Carr from when they were together, Carr's rookie year. So I think also has a really good sense of what Carr does well and what he doesn't. And I think he'll probably, you know, he definitely wants to give Carr some freedom. I think there's always going to be some parameters there where we're not going to change too far from what has worked well for him the last couple of years. You know, I think one area, I mean, the Raiders expected to have an advantage going into this game was just the fact, and I think Basashi mentioned it after the game, was that it's been a while since, you know, teams have gone up against an, an Olsen game plan. And so uh, 
that was something, I mean, the Broncos didn't have film of Olsen playing, calling plays to, to prepare for. So while you're excited about this performance, it, it, it will be interesting to see how much they can, can sustain this level of offense. We all know 2017, I mean, the first two games it looked like Todd Downing was going to be the next superstar offensive coordinator. And then uh, that season went off the rails. Certainly this team has more talent. And uh, I mean, I think you've got a lot more experience there with Greg Olson. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see how this offense can kind of continue to evolve the rest of the year under him. That's a good point, Jimmy. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, well, let's move on to the defense. And, I mean, like we said, uh, they, they played well. Tons of pressure. I mean, tons of turnovers. What I, I mean, that's the one thing that the Raiders, even when they were putting a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks, uh, they weren't really doing much in terms of forcing turnovers. But uh, they were able to do that today. And it started with the new guy, Brandon uh, Faison. He gets the interception that really kind of got them going. Uh, Max Crosby with the three sacks. Uh, Trayvon Merrick with his first career uh, interception. Uh, Abram got the interception. I know Nate Hobbs is mad that he didn't credit, get credited for his, although I, I do think they made the right call. It did look like uh, Kendall Hinton uh, possessed it and got, got a knee down. It, it was still a great you know effort play by Hobbs, but I mean, really just a, a great all-around day for that defense. Yeah, I mean, Bridgewater, you know, he played a part in, in interceptions as well, obviously. He was pretty off with his accuracy all game and with that face on pick. I mean, yeah, Fant, it looked like he had Fant open and just completely overthrew him and it just went straight to face on. And so, but I think, you know, the combo of playing a, you know, average to below average quarterback with the pass rush being as active as it was today. I mean, the box score had to be at 17 quarterback hits, which I'm pretty sure is their, their season high five sacks. You know, Max Crosby had a huge day with three sacks. And so they were speeding them up and that in combination with, the Broncos having to play coming from behind multiple scores for most of the game, which, you know, we haven't seen many opponents have to do against the Raiders so far this season because they've been the ones trying to come back. I think it just was kind of the, the perfect scenario for that that pass rush and that secondary to kind of play uh, in tandem with one another. And especially for them to have three picks with, with how beat up their secondary um, was in this game. You know, obviously they're without Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett because they're both on IR. But they also had, you know, Faison, he came in, he replaced Amik Robertson, who was struggling early on. I think it was the second drive that Faison took over. Uh, he had a, a period of time where he went out with an injury, and then Keyshawn Nixon had to come in the game. And so they were really, like, working with their fifth and sixth outside cornerbacks at, at certain points in this game. But just because of how how well the pass rush was working for him, it, it really didn't matter that much until you know, the very end when the Broncos got some of those desperation plays. And so I think it was a, a pretty impressive effort by the defense, uh, considering the circumstances. I thought Faison gave him a big lift. He's another former Bradley guy. Like now it's up to I want to say eight guys now. I mean, he also like uh, some big pass breakups, a nice hit, 
And I think also the, uh, Damian Square, another former Bradley guy, played for the first time today. He's kind of a bigger guy than Phylon, so I want him in there. And he played really well, I thought. Just a guy. Masachi said they had a, a padded practice on Wednesday. And I guess it was kind of like a competition for like a spot. And I guess Square really performed well in practice, kind of got the nod today. Definitely uh, played well today. So, again, these Bradley guys, I mean, it's amazing how – He's done a great job, but all the guys who know him so well and came in from his system at other places have also played huge roles this year. It was hard to see from TV, but was Faison playing like that third safety role that uh, Levitt was playing early in the season? No, that was Teamer, Roderick Teamer. Oh, okay. So where was Faison mostly lining up? Because He came in for, for Meek. When Meek, when Meek got benched. Oh, got it, got it. Man, he couldn't handle my man Tim Patrick. Man, Tim Patrick got him benched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's true. <laughs> what one time we were twenty minutes in, you're waiting twenty minutes for a Tim Patrick thing. All right, that's good. Another former Bradley guy, you know, most of us were surprised before the game. Uh, Darius Phylon was it was a healthy scratch for this one. Damon Square, you know, he hadn't played on defense for them this season, and and he got to start, you know, with, with Jonathan Hankins out due to a hip injury. Versace after the game, he said he wanted somebody with some, with some more size in there, uh, some more bulk to help slow down the run and. He was in there on one of those sacks with Crosby, got a half sack, and he also had three quarterback hits. They were okay against the run today, but uh, he, he gave him a pretty nice lift um, in terms of a pass rush. And so between him and Faison, um, I'm not sure how many Raiders fans were aware of those names going into the day, but you know they kind of came out of nowhere and, and made an impact. Yeah, Square, three quarterback hits. Uh, Solomon Thomas, he had a really nice game. He had three quarterback hits. Crosby, you know, three sacks. He had five quarterback hits. Quentin Jefferson had a sack, two hits. Littleton had a quarterback hit, a half a sack. Uh, Ngakwe, two quarterback hits. Um, you know, and then they had eight passes defended. Uh, you know, Faison had uh, had two from Merrig. Um, I mean, they were just, uh, you know, Casey Hayward, I think, had, an, had another nice game. Just a lot of guys just being able to run around and make plays. And sure, uh, I mean, Bridgewater, at the end of the day, his stat line shows 334 yards and three touchdowns. But, you know, they were really able to create a lot of problems for him. Not not impressed with his outing and not impressed with uh, the coaching performance, I don't think, of uh, of one Vic Fangio. Now, the challenges were weird. The first one he said he wanted to get in our look at it. He wasn't really sure what happened, which I thought was pretty funny. And the last one, he's like, you know what, screw it. We're going to, I mean, why not? At this point, we're going to lose. Might as well take a shot at it, maybe. So that one he kind of made it was like, what the hell? But um, yeah, I think clearly uh, today there was a big uh, coaching uh, advantage. And I went to uh, first time at Rich Passaccia. I think. Uh, I think this team's in trouble. The Broncos are going to go into a free... They already have. They've lost three in a row. They get the Browns on Thursday. This win it won't be as impressive, I think, uh, two months from now when we look at the Broncos' record. But definitely it was a big one they had to have for the Raiders. They got it done. They're very confident. They feel like they were the storm they were in the last week. So they're definitely back uh, in good shape. Tied for first place in the, in the division. For now, you know, they've, they've uh, kind of survived this John Gruden scandal as, as well as they could have. I also thought this was the um, best game I've seen from Jonathan Abram as a pro, I mean, he had first he had a really solid tackle. He had a really good open field tackle and a screen on that third and fifteen. It looked like it was going to at least get a first down, if not a, a really big explosive play. He was just all over the place underneath. Like he made Bridgewater hold onto the ball and move onto his next read a few times, and then he had an interception. He had nine tackles today, so I just thought he was really impressive overall. And uh, just playing underneath instead of playing deep really fits his skill sets. That should be your story for this week. That's why I want to read that story. Write that story for this week, the Abram film study. It'll, it'll, it'll get a lot of hit, a lot of clicks. I'll be one of them. I'll click on it twice. 
I want to see the breakdown so that because I think you're right. And I'm really curious to kind of have, to have broken down exactly each of his big plays because he's a guy who um, slowly coming into his own. It's not been like a, a huge, like rapid rise, but he definitely is getting better every every week. You know, Vic, you mentioned that this is a game that maybe a few weeks from now doesn't, you know, just beating the Broncos on its own doesn't look as impressive. It's funny, as you, as you look at the Raiders' schedule, what they've done, another game that obviously doesn't look as good now is beating the Dolphins. You know, we see what they're at at 1-5, and five, but I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on, at this point, how impressive it looks like that they have that win over the Ravens, right? The Ravens now 5-1 and one after just thoroughly dominating the Chargers on Sunday. They haven't lost since losing in that Monday night opener to the Raiders, and you know, who knows how the season's going to go if, if tiebreakers come into a fa- effect uh, in terms of wildcard bursts and all that. But the fact that they're the only team in the league that's beaten the Ravens and, and with how well Lamar Jackson's played really since that game, that win in kind of the rear view, it, it suddenly keeps looking better and better. I agree, but I'm going to be, people are going to say I'm being a hater, but I'm not. I'm going to say, you know, the Ravens that week have lost, like, what, three running backs? They had guys coming off the street, like, didn't know how to block. I mean, the guy they played missed a couple of key blocks. So, obviously, the guys that they, they brought in have all been good. Like, today, each guy scored, I think, Freeman, Murray, and Bell. So, I think they're definitely, that first week, there was a great time to catch them that first week. I think they definitely have, have kind of stated themselves and kind of they have the, because their pass blocking schemes are, I mean, and the run blocking schemes are definitely different with Omar Jackson being back there. So I think guys off the street probably had a harder time. Um, so that's the one caveat. But you're right. It's a great win. But I think that's the one thing I'd say the timing was good for the Raiders. Such a hater. Exactly. One well, thing I, I will say, I spoke to a source from the Ravens, and they were oh, like, this should be good. Ooh. After the Raiders game, he was like, I thought our O line was going to be in big trouble. But then the Raiders' pass rush has turned out to be really, really good. So. You know, they have that at least, all right? I'm just trying to put, like, a positive spin on uh, Vic crapping all over the Raiders. I, <laughs> I, I really wasn't, though. I'm just kidding. I know, I know. Let's just talk a little bit about Passaccia. You know, his coaching debut, you know, for a guy that has been, a, you know, really a football lifer all the years. You know, Vic, you wrote about his, his long journey to get here. He's the interim coach. You know, the rest of the season will determine whether or not he he is a real, realistic candidate for the full-time job. You know, this might be the only 12 games in his career that he's an NFL head coach. Regardless, it's a great opportunity for him. And to get that first win has got to be nice to just to kind of settle him in. I know he talked about how he really wants to still keep all of his special teams responsibilities right now. I guess he told the guys in the, the production meeting that he might review that after the bye and might start passing off some of those responsibilities. But for right now, he wants to keep doing all that. But you know, for him, I, I guess the one issue he had on, on Sunday was he's not used to the headset and having to push all the buttons. And like, I, I, I got to get this button to talk to this guy and this button if I want to just talk to that guy. And But once he gets the, uh, the headset issue figured out, uh, he should be all right. Yeah, the reporter was trying to get him to talk about what it meant for him personally. And he kept saying, you know, it's not, it wasn't like that. He said, I'm part of this team. And this is a we win was what he said, which I thought was a good quote. I just think players really respect him, the coaching staff. They all know each other so well. So I think definitely um, it's a really nice day for him and for the team to kind of win it for him today as they take another step forward in their in their path. One thing I do wonder with him is um, how will his game management be like when there's a close game? You know, today game management didn't really come into play, but – you know, when the game's really close in the fourth quarter, how how he's going to manage a game because he just doesn't have a ton of experience doing that. Do do, do you know if they have you know like an analytics guy that uh, helps with game management like a lot of teams are doing now? 
that other guy, I'm not sure they changed now with John Gruden being gone, but I don't think Gruden calling him too often. But there's a guy who gives them a stat package every week and a notes package, and they have they have like tendencies and ideas what they want to do. So I think Basaccia mentioned it actually last week. It'll be a part of what they do because he does as a as a team's guy. He does that a lot. He looks at all the analytics a lot more than probably other coaches do on staff. So I think he plans to use that as a resource. But I wouldn't think it'll be a a major influence on him. I think he's still kind of an old school old school guy at heart, just like um. I mean, there's no guy in his ear, like, during a game. That's Tim Bermadek, right? He, he's mentioned him a couple of times. He mentioned him today. He mentioned him during the week. He's the guy that's in his ear. That's the one guy. He's got the extra button that if he presses that button, it's just him and, and Bourbonek talking. So uh, that, I think that was one of the buttons he was struggling with. So he's got to get the uh, the Bourbonek button down. Yeah, I think you got to give Basachi a lot of credit just from a leadership standpoint of uh, seemingly getting these guys in, in the locker room, um, getting them back focused um, after a pretty tumultuous week and you know, they didn't look like a team that was distracted or out of it or, you know, off point today. I mean, I mean, they were they were really clicking on all cylinders. And like I said earlier, had their, their most complete performance of the season. And obviously a lot of that goes to the players as well, of course. But him as this new leader and taking over this role on, on short notice, I think as much as the football stuff, that's, that's pretty important. I think one of the reasons he was assistant head coach under Gruden was because he had shown he was a leader. He had, like Max Crosby mentioned, like when he came in from the first day, he kind of took under his wing. I think a lot of his players know him pretty well. So for him, it was just a natural progression for him because he's really kind of all these guys know his personality and he's demanding at times. And he's a guy you can talk to about anything at times. So I think all these guys knew him pretty well, which definitely helped the transition to being an interim coach this week. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, for the way this whole week went, the Raiders end this week. Tied for first place in the AFC West. They're 4-2 and two, along with the Chargers. You got the Chiefs and the uh, Broncos at 3-3. Three and three. They said it going into this week. They said that, that all their goals are still ahead of them, and they're right. You know, And they go into next week, they'll take on the Eagles. They'll get a bye, and they've got the Giants on the road. Um, you know, Some opportunities for them. If they can take advantage of the schedule right now, uh, they, they, they can uh, put themselves in decent position. Don't do it. Don't start stacking wins again. When they're three and zero, you guys no. are talking big. We're not going to guarantee you guys jinxed them, man. If they win the next. You guys three. all no. jinxed them. Not me, but you guys all jinxed them. When they're three and zero. Now look at it. Who picked the Raiders to win this week? Of all of us, oh, yeah, it was me. Our right. producer Brian Smith. <laughs> 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 Tashad is one in five this season with his uh, his picks. <laughs> <laughs> so he is the Miami Dolphins of uh, prognosticators, uh, or the or the Jacksonville Jaguars. They got to one and five. Every time I pick them to win, they lose. So I just got to pick them to lose every week, and they'll, they'll keep winning. So that's my that's my commitment. You go to the super. You you could get them to the super. Sean's sacrificing his record for the good of the Raiders. So look just, at that. This is so selfless. Wow, incredible. Brian says uh, early three point favorites. Raiders are uh, next week against uh, the Eagles. So that's it. So that's just the standard three points for being the home team. So, Huh. That sounds like a trap. Trap. <laughs> All righty, guys. That'll wrap up our post-game edition of State of the Nation. We will be back later this week to get you ready for the Raiders taking on the Philadelphia Eagles back in Vegas. Later. Adios. Hey. 